Um, so our teaching today is on stewardship. All right. Um, stewardship is our key principle here for from one of the foundational teachings uh, from Men of Destiny. All right. Um, lesson objectives to share our lesson objectives, media team. All right. Objectives is to understand the importance of practicing good stewardship in fulfilling kingdom purposes. The second is to identify areas of our lives we are to steward over and the guidelines to be followed in operating in stewardship. The third is to establish a stewardship mentality towards kingdom resources. And we want to establish a mentality about resources themselves, that they're bigger than just money. Okay, sometimes when we in church and people talk about stewardship, they think it's a money grab. And, and you know, um, most of the times when people talk about stewardship in, in ministry, let's say um, we're in a thing and we, we want to um, build a new building. Then you need to talk to the people that come to the current building about reallocating more resources, even above what they're giving now to help the next level of ministry go forward. There's nothing wrong with that. I just want you to understand that stewardship is bigger than just the financial piece but the financial piece is very important to stewardship, all right? I've given you this pillar definition um, of uh, stewardship. We call it a vision pillar definition because we said this is one of the pillars that holds up our ministry. If this doesn't go, then our ministry falls down. Stewardship is the acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us belong to God and must be faithfully accounted for. Right there, even in the definition, we have talked about stewardship beyond financial stuff, right? Relationships, you men that are husbands, you are stewards over your family. You are stewards. God is God holds you accountable to how you treat that woman he gave you. And he going to ask you about it, too. You're going to have to give an account whether or not you did it right or not. And so I intend to hear him say, well done, David Johnson. Hallelujah. All right. Um, the, the definition of steward is the word oikinamos. There's a definition there that we have for you. That's the, the, um, the, uh, Greek word is oikinamos. Oikos is the word house and namos is to distribute. So it's the person who distributes resources to the house. It's a manager. It's an overseer. Um, it's a fiscal agent, a fiscal agent, a financial agent, a person who has resources of an organization and has to make sure that those resources are not mismanaged and mishandled. It is a chamberlain. A chamberlain is if, if in an old wealthy person's house, the person who was like the butler, the person who maintained the house, who was trusted with the family stuff, it was called a chamberlain. A governor in the sense of a person who has the public trust. The, first, the, the thing that you hate to hear from somebody in public office is that they was doing stuff that should have benefited the community and then they was just lying in their own pocket. What did they say? Um, that, 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 they, um, that they abused the public trust. That's stewardship language. Okay. All right, go on to the next one. All right. Um, all right, so we talked about these oikonamos. Um, skip that one. I'm going to tell you to go to um, the working definition on stewardship. 
Stewardship involves the responsibility of managing all that God has given you to be used to fulfill the purposes of Christ and to allow you to fulfill your personal destiny in the kingdom of God. All right. It's how, how do I handle resources? But I want to have a bigger resources include money and material, but it's bigger than money and material. I consider relationships a resource. Your Bible says it this way, a good name is worth more than gold, right? And so um, how, how, you've, how you deal with people, like the one thing I don't want to happen is that people have confidence in me, in me and I have a relationship with people and through some dumb day, I destroy my good name. Because sometimes you destroy that kind of stuff and you'll never get it back. You can do a bunch of stuff right and people won't ever forget the stuff you did wrong. Can we talk about it? So, so please, please value that. And then value your name enough to do good stuff to the point that your children can inherit a good name. I'd hate to be you know, Adolf Hitler's grandson. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> people that have, you know, real famous bad people in their history change their name because their name is so bad, right? So have something, treat, I, I, I treat it like, man, you know, I inherited the ministry. My mother did a great work of ministry, and I didn't want to let it down when it was my turn. Does that make sense? I want, I, I want the name, like, like I told my daughter when she went to University of Michigan, go to this professor and tell him you're my daughter. Now, don't jack my name up down at University of Michigan, man. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't have everything, but, you know, there's some people that you tell them who you related to, they'll do something for you. All right? I'm just, I'm just saying. I want us to have a mindset that, see, to me, that's a stewardship issue. Okay? Listen. I find out you're a minister and you're doing some crazy stuff out there. And then they say he's a minister of destiny generation. I'm going to come see you because then you can impact the, the name of the ministry. Okay. I send you out as an official to represent the church. And then you go out there and then you get all nutty. We're going to have a conversation because it's a, it's a trust issue. It's a resource issue. The value, the, the reputation that we have in the community is a resource. And I take that seriously. And you should take it seriously. What's your name at work? Is your name lazy? Is your name bad attitude? There should be, when your name comes up, do people, are they excited about it? If they say, I need you to work on a project, and they, they, they say, I need somebody to work on a project, and then they say, I'm going to give you your, your, you, somebody's, do they go, okay, all right. I mean, if that's all we got, I guess I can take him. Or they like, hey, 
He's going to fix my problem. I don't even have to think about it no more. That's, that's a stewardship issue. How, how, do you, how is your name valued? What do you do if you're in business and you make a mistake? Do you, do you fix it? Now, I know some people, you know, nothing will never be good enough. But as, as much as lies within you, do you try to make it right? Or do you just try to shove it under the rug and keep it moving? That's a stewardship issue. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. We'll come back and read this here. This is a story where we, we get um, the account of deacons, where people use deacons. They generally refer um, to this. Acts chapter 6. Go ahead, pull it up. I'm going to run through this pretty, pretty quick. All right. Get my background. Hallelujah. All right. I'll go ahead. And it says, now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists or the Greek speaking um, Jews. Next part of the verse. All right. There you go. Okay. Then, wait, did, did we finish all of verse 1? Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So the church, the church had, it was a multicultural church. There was church, there was people that was primarily from Judea, and then there was people that had, was, was immigrants. Um, and in the church, the people, the homeboys got fed their mamas first not the people that had come from a long way away. Verse 2, then the 12, the apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples, the church, and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That word there, serve, is the word diakonos, where we get the word deacon. So that word serve is the word deacon, if you were to look at it in the Greek, okay? He said, we shouldn't, as, as pastors, I shouldn't have to stop preaching to come down and make sure old mother so-and-so gets a meal. Okay? Look, go on to the next verse. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation who have a name of being people that are good stewards, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. All right? That's the qualifications of a deacon whom we may appoint over this business. All right. Verse four. But we will we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. Now, the word there for ministry. Is the same word for deaconing. In other words, they're still serving. I'm no I'm. Just because I'm serving you the word of God and another person is serving you some food doesn't mean we ain't both serving. All right. Look at verse five. And the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor. 
Um, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. All right? Somebody say amen on that. All right, so put back on my notes from, from that um, on the media. All right? So in an organization, you have to handle your stewardship in a fashion submitted to authority so that your manager can handle bigger things. All right? See, um, the apostle said we shouldn't have to stop solving the big problem to come down and solve this small problem that you should be able to handle. So what you want is you want to handle problems at your level so that your leader can handle bigger problems at that bigger level. Because there's things that your leader can fix that you can't. You don't have enough authority. You, you haven't been empowered by the organization. But but both of you still have to have the same mindset that we're still servants, because sometimes leaders get to the point. Listen, it's not that it's not that I'm above. Cleaning bathrooms and toilets. Man, I can take out garbage with the best of them. The issue is there's more people in here can take out garbage, but some of the people that can take out the garbage can't preach the word like I do. And if I spend all of my time taking out the garbage, I'm not spending enough time taking out the word. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. He's saying you serve tables. I'm still serving, but I'm serving at the ministry of the word. Okay, and the person who serves at any level should be of good reputation. That means they have stewarded their 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 the trust that people have to them full of faith and of the Holy Ghost in Jesus name. All right, go on to the next slide. So the, the word there um, that it, when it talked about um, the service. Go on to the next slide, the leadership definition. is the word diakonos, all right? It's an attendant. Now, sometimes we don't think of this person because we have a, um, we think a person who serves and does small things, quote unquote, is lesser class of a person. That's just, that's just stuff people done made up. That's not the Bible. Everybody got to serve somewhere, all right? And so um, a person who, who, who takes on duties, some people say menial duties, meaning there, there's things a little, listen, listen, I appreciate my garbage, man. I don't know about you. My house wouldn't be as good as my house is if somebody wasn't coming by on a weekly basis to take care of stuff that needed to be taken care of. I don't know about you. So I don't, what the small task, listen, at work, I, like, like I know the janitors. One of them, follow me online. Phyllis, if you're out there, give me a shout. Why? Because before I became an engineer, I was a janitor to engineers. My daddy served engineers. Now his son got engineers that serve him. All right. 
So that, that aspect of serving is something and being responsible for something. Now, listen, they wanted people who would be fair. Don't just, you know, take care of your own and then diss everybody else. Does that make sense? That's what that was talking about. And so that's why they wanted people who could be faithful to this. Listen, um, after this, a, a number of us are going to go up and give our water. Don't just give our water to everybody, all your friends. Okay, does that make sense? That's the same. That's what he's talking about. And he said, we want people full of the Holy Ghost, because if you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to help people that look like you and other people you'll just mistreat. All right. Stewardship. It's a stewardship issue. All right. Now, Luke 16 is um, verses one through 13. This this is uh, this is one of the core scriptures of your pastor's life. Um, when the Lord showed me this um, in back in 1997. I wrote down stewardship. The key to super abundance. That was, that's what I got out of this passage of scripture. Pastor, it ain't all about money. Well, abundance isn't all about money. We've already talked. Stewardship is bigger than money. But if I learn how to be a good steward, God will give me more to be a steward over. Okay. Luke chapter 16, starting at verse one. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man, a householder, who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Stop, 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 stop. Key point from verse number 1 is, when you have a responsibility and you have delegated stewardship to people, you need multiple sources of information. Don't have just one person. <laughs> you on a job. Yeah, boss, I got it. I got it. Don't just trust him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I, I, I'm checking. You telling me that this is true? If that's true, then I should be able to confirm that in several places. I don't have one person giving me information. He said he had a steward and his system of information pointed out that somebody is wasting your goods. That's point number one. Bam. Verse one. Go on to verse two. So he called him and said, what is it this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship. You fired. I mean, you may for you can no longer be steward. You've been wasting my goods. You weren't doing the job that I that I paid you for. Um, I'm, I'm firing you. Now, listen, listen. Some people say, Pastor, how can you fire people? You a pastor. God fires people. Just ask Adam. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. All right. I know I know that I don't preach good, but it's still the Bible. Look at verse three. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do for my master is taking away the stewardship. My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm not built for manual labor. 
<laughs> I am ashamed to beg. I don't want to be homeless and out on the street. He said, he said, he said, he said, listen, listen, these hands weren't made for manual labor. I only know a certain kind of job and I should have been doing the job that I know how to do, but now I'm about to lose it. Okay, look at verse four. <laughs> I have resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He said, hey, the boss has given me a deadline when he's about to fire me. He said, while I'm still on the job, I'm going to do something so that I can get me another job when I off I'm off of this job. Okay, verse five. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Okay, look at verse seven. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Uh, verse eight. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had done truly. Okay, let me stop there for a second. Let's let let's 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 let, let me talk about what this guy's job was so that you can understand the significance. If this was a financial organization, we would say he is the um, he is the manager of accounts receivable. He is the person in his the rich man's organization that was the person who would who would go out and make sure that that the bills were collected and that all the invoices were paid he was the person that was responsible to make sure that after the biz, the master's business had done the work that the master got paid right that was his job understand it okay now if you are the person who manages the master's account, you shouldn't have to go to the people whose account and ask them how much they owe. You're supposed to know how much they owe. Okay. Any of y'all ever went to the bank and said, uh, uh, um, or, or to the mortgage company, and the mortgage company call you back and say, how much do you owe on your mortgage? No, they keep good records of how much you owe. Dang. Because <laughs> if they ever asked me, one time I went into the bank, to, I went into the bank to pay my mortgage and the lady said, and I was in a hurry and she said, man, I, it looks like you, you don't, you don't have any balance. I said, I'm gonna wait. You tell me it's zero. I'm gonna walk out of here with a quickness <laughs> and say free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. I'm free at last. Listen, this man was supposed to know because that was his job. See, whatever job you have, know the thing that you're paid to know. What is the thing that you're primarily responsible for? I hate it um, when Christians are sloppy at their craft, whatever your craft is. If God sent you to your business, man, know your business, whatever the business is. 
Know the thing that you're supposed to be good at. Know the thing that they're paying you to do. Don't depend on other people to do the thing I'm paying you to do. So he had to go to the people who owed money when he should, his records were good. That's why he was unjust in stewardship because he wasn't, he wasn't managing the records of the business. So people were getting away who owed the master money and they weren't being, and the master wasn't getting paid and he was losing money because they weren't keeping the records. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Now, then he told the people that, oh, he gave them a discount. Didn't he? Didn't you read it? You owe this, slash the bill, I'm going to cut the debt. Know what he did? He had the authority to do it because the master commended him for it. Now, this is Pastor David's belief. Part, if you know people that have those collection types of businesses, right? Part of what they get back is their own commission, right? So what he did is he cut his own commission while he was in the job so that when he was looking for a job, he could go to them and say, man, I hooked you up. Can you hook me up? All right. Now, um, so to, to do that, then you have to understand the cost structure of your organization. How much of what you do, now see, I'm, this, is, this is business lesson. This is how God taught me to be good in business. It wasn't what I learned at University of Michigan. It's what I learned in Luke chapter 16. All right? How much, what does it cost to do what you do? And how much of that is you? Because you want to be the person that brings profit to the enterprise that you are associated with. Because if you bring profit, you will always get paid. If you can deliver, baby, there's always room for the person who can bring in, who can make it rain. Don't get it twisted. You know, they don't even have to like you. They can call you all kinds of names behind the scenes. But if they know you can deliver, baby, they'll still be calling. They'll call you names and still call for you when they need something done. If you know how to handle your business. All right. Um, go back to verse eight. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had done shrewdly. For the sons of this world are even more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Stop here for a second. The wrong people are using the right methods and winning. The Lord told me, he said to me at one point in my career, I said, God, he wicked. He said, yeah, he's dark, but he's diligent. I said, Lord, I'm righteous. He said, yeah, you light, but you lazy. The wrong people are using the right methods and they're winning. All right, go on to verse nine. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now stop here for a second, right? I can't, I can't take money. Money's not going to get me into heaven. That's not what that's saying. But what I can do is I can use the resources that I have to build relationships. Listen, I do good job for General Motors. But I'm also building relationship. If GM told me to leave today, that somebody would say, man, I, I, I give David a shot. 
I'm just saying. Do what you do now. Do it well. But be known in the community of the business that you're in as a person that's reliable, that'll, that'll work with people so that when you need somebody to work with you, man, <laughs> I, had a, I had a guy call me by accident because he had another name of David Johnson in his phone. We used to work together. He was saying, hey, what's happening at GM? I hear all of this stuff. Yep, yep. Hey, you know what, man, you and your wife did good stuff for me. If anything happened to you, give me a call. I'm just saying, use the position you have and what you do to build favor. If you got to keep it moving, baby, keep it moving. All right. So so within the realm of your own authority, develop relationships that enable your work performance and make them as positive as possible. Now, some of us have difficult you like. If you're the person who handles accounts receivable, people hate to see you coming because when they see you coming, all they hear is bill. <laughs> and I don't know about you. Most people don't get excited when the bill comes. All right. But make it as positive as possible. Don't be mean. Don't be disrespectful. Listen, even when people leave me, if they left me right, I try to help them out on the next gig. You know, um, now, if they left wrong, then I tell them, don't let the dough hit you. Anyway, keep it moving. Verse 10. <laughs> Verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Stop. This is a huge scripture. This is a huge scripture. Now, why, Pastor David, is this a big deal? This is a big deal because sometimes we're asking God for more when we are not faithful with what we already have. And what I realized is that if I learn to be faithful with what God's already manifested, he will manifest more for me to be faithful with. The Lord told me, he said, I said, I said, God, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm believing you. I'm believing you for a thousand times more. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy. God bless you. And ah, oh, yeah. You know, because I'm one of these prosperity preachers and I'm unashamed about it. Suck it up, baby. All right. Suck it up, buttercup. I, I'm a prosperity. I believe in this. All right. But I'm not trying to get over on people and I'm not telling them it's not get rich quick schemes. It's being faithful as a steward and God trusting you with more. So I said, Lord, I'm believing you, you know, to give me the hundredfold. And then he said, from my perspective, I looked at you blowing five dollars like you would like you would blow five hundred dollars if I gave you the hundredfold and it, like you would blow five thousand dollars if I made you a thousand times more. So I realized that I could use I could show with my five dollars to God what what I would do with five thousand. And if I was faithful with the five, he could trust me with the five thousand. On the other hand, see, you want to you want to solve your misdemeanor before it becomes a felony. <laughs> you you <laughs> you get that? 
You want to solve your misdemeanor before it becomes a felony. You want to solve the small problems of being unfaithful before it becomes big problems of being unfaithful. Stop wasting small money and then you can demonstrate to God that you're ready to handle bigger money. Look at verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? He says how you handle money demonstrates how you are faithful over things that are truly riches that are non-monetary. I did a, a Bible study. I would encourage you to do your own study on what does the Bible classify as true riches that's non-financial. God says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. So my spirit is true riches. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. My wife is a true riches. What happens is people think the only thing that's worth wealth is money. Child, please. The Bible says the money isn't even the true riches. But me being faithful in it, demonstrates to God that if I give him something more of really true wealth, he'll take care of it because he know how to manage his money. Stop blowing money. This isn't a lead up to an offering. Stop blowing money. All right. Recognize the link between natural riches and spiritual riches. All right. Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, let me stop here. Okay, I believe, I believe God's called me to be a great entrepreneur, or I believe God's called me to be a great pastor or something else. Well, what do I do now? I find somebody who is in that, and then I'm faithful to them in their vision so that God will trust me with my own. That's why the dumbest thing, if you believe in God for a house, is to, the dumbest thing to do is to jack up the apartment. I'm asking God for a car, but then I run and gun the rental car. That's double D dumb. Two D's and two B's. All right. I want to demonstrate my faithfulness to what somebody else is so that God will give me what's my own. When I was a single man, I wanted to be faithful to, to the to girls that I was dating because I didn't know if she was somebody else's wife. So I didn't want to do something that would make her marriage better, bad later. If I'm faithful to what belongs to another man, God can give me that which is my own. And for me, that's a master stewardship promotion principle. People want to understand when I was a minister, while I was so faithful to my pastor and as a pastor, while I'm so faithful to my bishops, because I understand if I'm faithful to that, which is another man, God will give me my own. So they don't have to wonder, am I going to be there? Am I going to do what's required? Am I going to help that thing go forth? Because I got something in me that I'm believing God for. And if I'm faithful to theirs, God will give me my own.
I don't know about you, but that one got me excited. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm back, you know, 20 years ago when he showed it to me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Look at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. All right, I'm going to work. Why? Because I got to make the almighty dollar. No, the dollar is not almighty. Don't get it twisted. All right? So this, this part of stewardship says that what, what, what masters you and motivates you to do what you do. All right. Listen, if you working for money, money's a good servant, but it's a bad master. <laughs> money is a good servant, but it's a bad master. It'll make you do some crazy stuff. If money becomes your God. Notice he didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. Jesus said the thing that that that's that competes with God in your life is not the devil. He said that money, it'll, <laughs> it'll try to drive you. People make bad decisions. You know, when they get tight with money, we know who you really are. I believe I'm, you know, I'm a tither. Wait, wait till, wait till it get tight. Then I'll know for sure if you're tight. <laughs> All right. So what's the principle here? The principle here is that in the midst of your stewardship and accountability to men, that you have an ultimate accountability and judgment to God. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of all your stewardship. So what I've decided is, even when I'm at work, I honor my manager, but I still work to the Lord. Because if they don't treat me right, I'm still going to do right because I'm not working for them. I don't do right because I got a boss. I do right because I serve God. Why? Because when they treat me wrong, God can still reward me. All right? Praise the Lord. I think that's all I have for today, isn't it? Hallelujah. Were you blessed with the word today?